White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 681. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast, and I am your host, Van Allen Plexico. We are back for another episode in Season 4, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Andy Fix. Welcome back aboard, Andy. Thank you, Van. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. I'm really uh, looking forward to talking about another really epic, humongous, early Season 4 episode. Yes, indeed. It's. I mean, the, we we've been talking about it since we started this podcast. That season four is a, is the rocket ship taking off, and it hasn't slowed down. So new, no, no. And I'm really, um, I'm really curious to see how our ratings out of five stars that we do every episode, how that goes through this stretch. Because you know, we we remember the the big finale episodes, the ones that kind of cap off a storyline. But what I'm interested in is how strongly we end up viewing the episodes building up to those big finishes of this season. And there's obviously at least two big finishes, right? So, right. Um, so it's going to, so like, I, I kind of know how I'm going to rate the end of the shadow war. However, that turns out and whenever that is for folks that don't know, but I was curious how I would rate like 402, 403, 404, right? Though that's what I've been curious about. And this has been kind of fun to, to kind of get a sense of that. Right. Well, and for me, the, all the, the, the story arcs for season four, I mean, everything's coming together, and everything just, it, it's a constant thing, so these these episodes kind of blur together. I mean, I know the, the Jakar and, and Londo story arc, you know, I know where it goes, I, but I don't remember which episodes, you know, they happen in, and, and what the yep. other story arcs are, you know, what the other, the, the, what the other plots are going around them, you know. So it, it's interesting to see how all these story arcs are working together in each episode, for me anyway. No, absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah, because yeah, the beginning of this season is, and I won't say how many, but it is kind of a multi-part, you know, it's almost like a part one of whatever, part two of whatever, part three of whatever. It really right. could be. There's there's very little, you know, he the, the episodes are really divided just by kind of like, not by big finishes to the A plot, or whatever, but more like just here's a natural break, take a breath right. and come back with the next one, you know. So Right. Comparing this to the first couple of seasons where they were much more episodic. Yes. Yeah, this is just like one flowing, continuously flowing stream. So yeah, it's 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 interesting parsing out the individual episodes versus just knowing all the story arcs. And it is fun. I'm glad you said that because it made me think it's fun to think back to how in season one, when it was very episodic by comparison to this and at the back at the time in the early nineties, we were like, Oh my gosh, there's so much continuity. And now we look back at season one and go, that was not really much continuity. <laughs> right. Nothing, nothing well, like it, this. 
Right. We were looking for the the uh, the big story episodes, you know? Oh, this yeah. is the episode where they, yes. they reference the, the big story arc. Now yeah. it's like, you know, it's all story episodes. It's all big story arc episodes. So it's, it's really, really fun to watch. Absolutely. Well, and of course, you know, for those that don't know, it wasn't going to be, <laughs> you know, this season doesn't have a lot of standalone episodes. There might be a a couple kind of in the middle and toward the end or whatever, but really there's not very many because we, we noted how even season three had a surprisingly large number of kind of standalone episodes going in. We were thinking how season three was like this, but it's not, there's still individual season two type episodes. Well, um, it, the reason for that is that, and this is, I mean, you know, you can debate the specifics of this, and people do all the time on Facebook and whatever, but in general terms, the reason for that, for those that don't know, is that when, it, when season four was being produced, there was a big chance, JMS knew that there was a big chance it was going to be the last season. There would not be a season five, and he had spaced everything out for five seasons. So he ended up bringing, like, the big finish he had planned for season five into season four along with the big finish for season four. And so what that did was the good news is season four just rocks, but the bad news is there's very little breathing space. It is just pedal to the metal. And then season five is kind of bereft because all the it's season five is like, you've already shot all the fireworks and you're standing there in the field and going, Right. Well, we could set the grass on fire now, I guess. You know, you're just looking for something to set on fire in season five. You're, right. we, well, we could, we could set that worm on fire, I guess. I don't know because we shot all the fireworks already, but uh, but it still I has its bereft, moments. Bereft is probably the most concise critique <laughs> of season five that I've ever heard. That's perfect. <laughs> and you know, you know what's interesting is my wife has been watching this with me, and she goes, "This feels like a, a Netflix show that we watch." It. I mean, it feels like a streaming show now because it is constant, inv- you know. It the, invented the that. Right. And I looked at her and I told her, I'm like, you know, the golden age of television that you're talking about started, what, 2009, 2010? Almost 15 years after season yes. four aired. So, yeah, this it is because of Babylon 5 that we have yes. the current golden age of television. And most people look at me like, I've never even heard of Babylon 5. How is that possible? I'm like, all right, go watch season three or season four. And then come back and we'll have this discussion because it it is streaming television. It feels like a modern streaming television show. hundred percent. It absolutely does. Yeah. It's how it was the very beginning of when everything changed. The year everything changed. Right. Right. It was. The year was 1993. The name of the show was Babylon 5. Um well, let me point out to the folks real quick that we don't have ads. You don't get those little weird interruptions in our show where ads play or whatever. Um, what we do have is a Patreon. So if you would like to support our show and join the fa- to join the other Babylon 5 fans like Andy and me to support this program discussing, reviewing, analyzing this great show, go to www.b5review.com, www.b5review.com. And there's other things there, of course, and I want to keep adding things as I get the chance. But just click on the Become a Patron box. You can go and sign up and get access to various special features we're going to be adding, and I've added a couple already. And, of course, um, you can uh, be part of the fun. We're going to thank all of our patrons in just a little bit when we get to that part of the show. 
Uh, and that allows, allows us to remain commercial free. All right. Uh, I'll also remind everybody we have a spoiler section at the very end. So if you don't want to know what uh, any of the spoilers beyond this episode itself, then bail out when we get to the jump game sound. Okay. Uh, so this episode, Andy, is 403 The Summoning. And as always, would you like to kick off or would you like to defer? You know, I've been punting the past couple times, so I feel like I, I owe it to you to take one. Um, so in this episode, Delenn, uh continues to try to... to uh, she's actually trying to recruit the Vorlons for her attack on Zahadoom. In the meantime, Zack goes out and tries to find out um, what exactly happened to Mr. Garibaldi. He's got a lead and takes a Star Fury squadron out with him to, to try to find Mr. Garibaldi. And while all this is going on, um, uh, Ivanova and Marcus are going off to search for some uh, first ones to see if they can't recruit them to uh, to to the cause. I always oh, and then there's the then there's the thing with the the uh, um, protests against what Delenn is doing. So yes. there are some members of the League of Non-Aligned Worlds who are trying to convince people to depose Delenn and, and stop her from sending the attack fleet. So. Yeah, so there's yeah. there's quite a bit going on in this episode. There's quite a bit. In fact, and I'll, this may be one of your factoids. It's certainly been one of mine. I've mentioned it before. But um, do you remember this the specific oddity about this one episode compared to all the others? I do. It has every member of the cast in this one episode. And it was noticeable. It was. I wonder they, if they, he did they it all on purpose. Had, hmm. They all had significant moments. Even, even like Lanier, who was only in there for a couple of brief scenes and he really didn't have any lines had, a, and I'll get to that later, had a, a one particularly significant moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they, uh, they, they all, they all had their moments. Oh, it was pretty cool. Dr. Franklin got like a very brief little cameo. Yeah. He's the one that he, I think he's probably the one that did the least. He yeah. was only in it for a few seconds. Well, that's why, that's why I wonder if JMS like got to the end of this script and said, well, gosh, I've used everybody except Dr. Franklin. Let me go stick him in too. So there'll be at least one episode where everybody's in it. Well, I mean, he kind of needed a doctor to, you know, to, to work on Michael. So can't blame him there. Yeah. Yeah. It was just one of these weird oddities where everybody had a little something they needed to do. Right. And, they all got right. in there. I just think that's so cool. There's just one episode where everybody appears, and this is it. Yep. It was it, it was almost except for Sheridan until the very end. I'm like, right. I guess, <laughs> I'm like, I guess Sheridan's going to be the one that gets left out. And I'm like, oh, well, no, never mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, and what a moment that was. Yeah. And not only does it have the entire normal cast, it also had Wayne Alexander. So, I yeah. mean... And and Wortham Krimmer might as well be regular cast for this part of the show, you know, this season. He's right, such right. a big part of it. So yeah. I think I think we should make Wayne Alexander an honorary cast member, regular cast member. <sighs> oh, I think so too. But when JMS did his little project last summer, remember where he said he had every member of the cast, he did not include yeah. Wayne Alexander. Somebody specifically yeah, well, asked him, he said no. So but it sucks because I know? thought I thought Wayne Alexander contributed more than some of the main cast did, but anyway, right, exactly over the course of the show, my gosh, right. Yep. Um, so this is four oh three. The sum- I was going to say, by the way, I always enjoy your summaries more than mine because mine are these little cryptic things I steal out of the Lurker's Guide, and you actually <laughs> make an effort to describe what happened in the show. So yours are always way better. But anyway, 
So this is 403, The Summoning. I'm still trying to figure out exactly what the title refers to. What's the summoning that happens here? I mean, it's not to do with Centauri Prime. It doesn't have anything to do with Londo or Jakar. There's no summoning going on there. I mean, what what's being summoned? Uh, maybe Sheridan? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you could call it the gathering because, A, it does gather every member of the cast together. And they are gathering at the end. And and they even refer to Delenn's having an upcoming gathering this afternoon. Remember, they talk about that. They call it the gathering. But that title had already been used for the pilot. Right. Right. So I guess the summoning is, I don't know. I guess they could have called it another gathering. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I just never have figured out exactly what's being summoned here, but that's fine. Um all right, so the P5 rating, and this is, if for those that don't know, is from the Lurker's Guide, the original rating of the people watching the show, uh, like you and me, but we were not part of this, back in 1990-whatever, 96. The P5 rating for this one is 8.66, which is like a, a B, B-plus kind right. of ranking. Uh, production 403, number original air week, November 18th, 1996. And so this is one I've talked about before. I was teaching I was teaching for a college in Atlanta, and they were sending me out to do uh, classes for graduating seniors taking early college classes. I was kind of like their traveling gunman. And well, that's a poor choice of words for schools. Um, <laughs> right. I was there, you know, the go-to guy that would be sent out to go to a school and teach a class for an hour during the day because I didn't – that was my main job. And so these episodes, 401, 402, 403, 404, they were airing while I was teaching a class. Well, I mean, those that semester, but they were airing at like 3 o'clock in the morning on Atlanta television. So I would record them on my VCR, get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, get my tape out, take it to school with me. And when the students were at lunch, I would bring out the TV VCR cart. Remember those? Oh, and I would yeah. be, and I'd be, man, I'd be jamming out watching these episodes, and the students would come in after thirty or forty minutes, and I'm like, shh, shh, shh. There's like five minutes to go. Shut up, shut up. I was fast forwarding through the commercials and everything. Right. So the students knew that for like the first five minutes of class every week, we wouldn't be getting a lot done. We were watching the end of <laughs> Babylon Five. It was so great. That's funny. Uh, this was written by JMS, directed by John McPherson. I'm not familiar with him. He's a new name to me. Maybe he's done one before. I don't think he. I don't know if he does any after this either. We'll we'll see. Notable guest stars include Wayne Alexander, of course, as Lorian, Wortham Krimmer as Emperor Cartagia. I, I think there may be some factoids there. Interestingly, uh, Eric Zivet as Verano, and I got to say, all these random Centauri popping up in this season are very important for the card game. Because <laughs> you need names for all those junior right. Centauri characters that have like right. two diplomacy and one intrigue, right? You got to have those guys. So, minister Can you imagine being in charge of uh, being in charge of that for the the game company is like, all right, you got to go through all five seasons and find as many Centauri names as you can. <laughs> oh, I know that's what they did. Absolutely, yeah. Minister, minister, uh, this and minister that, and yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Jonathan Chapman as Ambas- Ambassador Lefke, who was the, um, uh, what were the dudes that kind of looked like Kardashians called? Kardashians? Kardashians? Kardashians. Brakiri? Yeah, the Brakiri. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We did warn folks that the Brakiri would be stepping up and taking a bigger role in the show, and that's, right. that's what they're, they're going to be doing now. 
Yep. Um, all right. So let's see what kind of what kind of factoids <clears throat> and random notes do you have to lead us off? The only one I have. Well, I have two. Well, that one's an unanswered question. But so the other one we'll go with um, Mr. Garibaldi. When he was done shooting uh, what he thought was his last scene, he went to the uh, the hairstylist and said, you know, shave everything off. I don't like that. He doesn't like the stubble on his head. So he said, shave it all off. But he had to grow it because he was in, you know, in incarcerated for the past few episodes. So he said, all right, shave it off. And he goes, all right, I'll see you next week. And she goes, no, you'll see me tomorrow because we are shooting another scene tomorrow, which was the scene where um, Sheridan comes back, the scene with the, the, the crowd. Right, mm-hmm. the, the protest. Mm-hmm. So, if you notice, Garibaldi is way at the back yeah. of that scene because he had cut his hair, he had shaved his head again. So, for <laughs> continuity, they they glued all oh, the stubble back onto his no! head, like a pet. and he said it looked so ridiculous. They just said stain in the back, but it worked out because it was cool yes. knowing the 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 interaction of those two. You know, going forward, yeah, it was interesting to have him dramatically back at the very back like that but the, the actual reason for it was was not artistic but just because jared doyle jerry doyle got his head shaved a little that time. is great that is great um i have some stuff about wortham Krimmer, the emperor but i'm going to save it to listener questions because one of our li- one of our patrons and that's by the way that's another thing that as a patron you get to do is leave comments and questions on the patreon page and i and i read them or talk about them on here uh, one of our patrons had a good point about that, and I added some more details to it. So stay tuned in the listener questions, the patron questions section for some more Emperor Cartagia. All right. Cool. I have a few unanswered questions. There really weren't a ton this time around. Um, what was the deal with Garibaldi, the life pod, the ship that self-destructed? I mean, just what was all that? I mean, we we having seen the series, we kind of know who was responsible. And I think last episode, we got a good sense of who was responsible. But it kind of felt like that scene in All Alone in the Night when Sheridan was ejected by the by the little aliens that kidnapped him and he ended up in the life pod. And they... Right. What I mean, what was going on there? This was... They were making... The, whoever it was that was holding Garibaldi and whatever they were doing to him, they needed him to get back to Babylon 5. But they didn't want him to just show up on Babylon 5. They wanted it to look like that they were trying to get away and that they were they didn't want to give up Michael Garibaldi. Even at the very end there when uh, when Zach is, is talking to, to um, Garibaldi, he says, man, we got really lucky on that one. As if to convince everybody else on Babylon 5 that, yeah, they got really lucky to save Mike and he's not really compromised at all. So don't suspect him of anything. Exactly. They want to make it look like they rescued him, not that he just showed right. up, because that would yeah. have been suspicious. They would have been like, well, where were yeah. you? What happened? And all that stuff. But now it's like, oh, boy, we went all out. We barely rescued the guy. You know, we did a big heroic thing, and, boy, we got really lucky on this one. We got Chief back. Just seemed odd. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just seemed odd, but I'll, I'll buy it. Uh, and, and, of course, unanswered question yet, Did uh, what was done to Garibaldi? Does it have anything to do with Talia Winters and what happened to her? We'll find out about that eventually, maybe maybe sooner or later. Um, why did Lorian come back to the station with Sheridan? What's he up to? We, we have to learn about that. What exactly did Lita learn when she scanned Ulkesh Kosh? We don't really know. She told a couple of things, but we don't know exactly. And what happened to Marcus's family? We know his brother died in a shadow attack. 
Um, but what about his parents? And I know, have a note here that to dream in the city of sorrows also addresses some of Marcus's backstory. So well, you and I will be reading that, I guess, at some point coming up in the future, and we'll be able to address it right. there, too. And for him to, to have, have reached his 35 years as yeah. a virgin, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just expecting that he lived on a, an asteroid somewhere by himself, because that's pretty impressive. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, he kind of did, honestly. He was on Minbar, I believe, training to be a right. ranger. So, yeah, he, yeah. Um, let's see. I have a few. I don't really have, uh, that was unanswered questions. I don't really have a lot of comments or uh, I, factoids. I, have I do have one unanswered question. Okay. Who is the voice of the the random um, Star Fury pilot? In every season that there's more than one Star Fury out there, there's yeah. always one voice that comes over, and it's always the same voice. Why do we never see that guy, or even get a name or something? It's it's not the major, is it that we've been looking for for four seasons now? Right. <laughs> I can't uh, think what, of his. What was his uh, name? Uh, major a tomb Atum- Major Atumbe. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's him. That's maybe a good it is. Thing. That's a, a, yeah, I just thought that was sense. interesting because it's yeah. it's got to be somebody on the production staff or something like that because oh, yeah. he's in. I mean, he he pops up in, in every season. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just like the voice of the of the Drazi and the voice of that one Narn is that same guy, Kim right. Kim Strauss. I think it's Kim Strauss. Yeah. yeah. And I've never seen. In fact, you know what? I'm calling an audible right now. I'm calling an audible. I want to know. Oh, okay. Huh. Just this regular looking dude. All right. Good old Kim Strauss. He's the one that, like, when he's the Drazi, he does the whole, we don't like you, Minbari, interfering in our activities. We will kill you all. That guy, you know, he just, his right. voice is so, so distinct and he pops up all the yep. time. All right. Um, all right. JMS speaks. Somebody said to JMS, a planet busting weapon is so improbable as to be more magic than technology. And JMS came back with the Arthur C. Clarke quote that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And he says, you want to go argue with Arthur C. Clarke, feel free, (laughs) which I thought was pretty good. And then he says, think about this. Uh, Think about what we knew about atomic atomic, atomic energy and atomic power like 20 years before World War II versus 1945, right? So take that millions of years in the future and you can kind of draw your own conclusions. Um, somebody asked if the shadows and Vorlons are so far advanced, why haven't the shadows wiped everyone out already? And because JMS says that's not their goal, right? They're not out to destroy everyone. If you, uh, you can't sow chaos if there's no one around in which to sow the chaos. Right. Um, and, and they, and they keep thinking they can turn Babylon five to their advantage. So they don't want to destroy it. Right. The, the, the shadows aren't necessarily evil. I mean, yeah. in their own eyes, they're doing a great service to the galaxy. Absolutely. I mean, every, Every villain is a hero in his own eyes. So yes. they're, they're not out to kill everybody or even dominate everybody. They just want to help everybody evolve. Right. And I mean, again, this is t- edging on spoiler space just a little bit, but I think you can kind of get the outline of this already. One of the major themes of this part of season four is we've, we've had, you know, two, two and a half years now or whatever, three and a half years to get a sense of what the shadows are capable of. Now we're getting a sense that the Vorlons are maybe not the benign, you know, alien presence we thought they were. They may be a serious threat to existence in their own right. Right. 
you know, it, it, we have this tendency to say, okay, so the shadows are scary looking and dark. They like chaos. They do mean stuff. They're the bad guys. Okay, I'll, I'll buy that. Oh, but so the Vorlons are powerful, and they're on the see they're on Babylon Five. They have an ambassador. They pal around with us a little bit, you know. So they must be the good guys. Well, I think this season has shown that it was more like original Kosh was becoming a good guy. I don't right. think Ulkesh Kosh is anything approaching a good guy. So morality in in, in a lot of stories is law versus chaos, right? Order versus chaos. That's kind of there's the Michael another, Moorcock and, and Roger Zelazny. Exactly. Thing, yeah. There's yes. another axis, another axis when you have good and evil. So yes. you could be lawful and still mm. be evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes. You could be chaotic and still be good. Mm-hmm. So I think the Vorlons are falling on, you know, lawful lawful evil, I guess, in the D&D terms and yeah. the shadows would be chaotic neutral or something. I don't know. It's yeah, yeah. it's that just because you're on the side of law and order doesn't mean you're the good guys. The way I tend to look at it is good is you're trying to help others. Evil is you only care about yourself. Right. Lawful is you're willing to follow the, the guidelines of the community. Chaotic is you're willing to do whatever it takes yourself regardless of conventional standards. So like exactly. Deadpool is chaotic good. Right. Right? Wolverine yep. is chaotic good. Whereas Captain America tends to be more lawful good. Right. Um, Mephisto is chaotic evil. Right. But like some businessman up in his tower taking advantage of the poor would be lawful evil. Right. How does that right. work for you? That works great. It's like in, in when, uh, what's his name, uh, ran for president, Superman's arch enemy ran for president in the Lex, DC yeah. universe. Lex Luthor, yeah. Yeah. Lawful evil. Lawful evil. But, he's not breaking any laws in that, but he's out for himself. Right. If if you look at the Lord of the Rings, which this is often compared to, their their morality is good and evil, right? The elves yeah. are good, yeah. and the dwarves are good, and, and uh, the orcs are evil. But if you look at here, it's order and chaos. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting. And it's... It, it, I think that what has changed with the with the shadows and the Vorlons as we're seeing in these episodes this season, what has changed is they started out lawful and chaotic good, and they are becoming lawful and chaotic evil in the right. sense that they're no longer trying to help everybody else. They've just become about my way or the highway. Exactly. But that they don't. Exactly it, right? But they don't want to admit it. So right. they think that they're still lawful good and chaotic good fighting and they've turned into lawful evil and chaotic evil fighting right. and and Lita even came out and, and flat out said it they don't even care about us anymore you know they're just yeah, fighting right. their own war now and and the rest of the galaxy and just go to heck that's right and it's and i mean it makes the good point that we we automatically knee jerk assume chaotic evil is worse than lawful evil because hey at least lawful evil has the lawful going on right (laughs) but honestly what we are seeing in this season of babylon 5 is that the chaotic evil shadows are at least kind of predictable whereas the lawful evil uh vorlons as they're becoming lawful evil instead of lawful good as the Vorlons are becoming lawful evil, lawful evil may in some ways be worse because it can it can be, I mean, it's different ways, but it can be even more insidious. It can be, uh, you know, and, it, and, it's, and it's more unpredictable in some ways. So, right. 
that's kind of how I see it. But yeah, I, I like yep. your I like your laying out that formula because I think that maybe kind of makes it makes it clearer to understand where they all are coming from. So right. Good. Um, let's see a couple other things from JMS. Uh, well, somebody said have the have the Vorlons changed of have a change of heart. And JMS says, actually, I don't see it as a change of heart. They've kind of always been ruthless this way. It was more that Kosh had changed, whereas the rest of right. them are still as crappy as they always were. Right. Somebody said, who's the worst enemy? The Shadows of the Vorlons. And JMS says, who's the greater foe? It's always the one closest to where you live. So that's interesting. Um he says the original Kosh certainly came to care about us more than the Vorlons intended. So that's another piece of evidence that it was Kosh that changed, not the rest of the Vorlons. They've always been a-holes, right? right? <laughs> Kosh right. was just becoming less of an a-hole. Um, was Sheridan's uniform different? JMS says, no, that's the funny thing. A lot of people have asked about that, but it didn't change. They dusted it off a little bit. But it's still torn in places and all that. I like that he still had his bruise up on yeah. his forehead from that yep. cut that he had. Remember? Yep. Um, uh, let's see. Last two things. When Ivanova hugged Sheridan, what was the deal with all of that? Was it she's attracted to him? And JMS says no. It was just a sign of relief, letting her guard down, letting herself feel, which she hadn't done much before this. There's no romantic interest there. You can have situations. This is all JMS. You can have situations where men and women work together and can care about one another without it turning into more than that. Men seem to understand this less often than women. Right. I like that. That's yep. a good line. Yep. And and finally, and this is what I kind of want to get your feeling on, because I this is something I noticed, and I'm this is a big part of this, what's going on right now. Somebody asked JMS, Sheridan seemed a lot more belligerent and seemed to be suggesting genocide against the shadows. JMS says, yup, I'd say it's very likely that some people close to Sheridan are going to be wondering about his attitude and maybe even acting on it. Someone should get outraged and will. It's simply a matter of picking the right time and place to do something with it. Certainly there will be some people who will wonder exactly the same thing you do within the context of the show and wonder if Sheridan's gone too far, gotten too messianic in his approach. Ah, the fun never stops. So yeah. when he comes back, it doesn't seem like... I mean, you could. we were... Tell me if I'm wrong. I felt like we were seeing Sheridan in his big triumphant final scene there through the eyes of Delenn, right? We were we were watching Delenn watch him and her face cuz again, Mira Furlan was the Meryl Streep of Eastern Europe. Okay, brilliant brilliant actor. So, her face, she's first like what the bleep, right? She's looking. Then I think her reaction kind of goes to, "Oh my gosh, is this like Anna Sheridan?" Mm -hmm. Right, which I would 100% suspect, right? I'm right. sure they took him to Franklin for checking out immediately. <laughs> right. I'm sure I'm sure they're like, oh, John, we're so happy to have you back. We know it's you. Uh, could you go see Stephen for just a minute, please? Just right over there. It won't take but a second. We, we know we trust you 100%, John. We're so glad to have you back. Just go down to the med lab. It'll be fine. Um, but then her expression kind of became joy in a way. But still not convinced. She had so many emotions on her face. It's yep. amazing. And then finally, and because he's saying stuff like, you know, this is, you know, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do that, whatever. And she's kind of like, oh, what's that all about? And then he goes, 
Delenn's plan was a start, but we need to do it differently, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to beat this thing forever, you know. And Delenn is kind of like, ah, this is my boy, right? This is the real John. This yep. sounds – this. and then when she goes up there and talks to him, and I think it, he, he wasn't just kind of like, hello, Delenn, good to see you. <laughs> you know, but he's like – he was himself. Yep. And you could see her kind of starting to buy into it. Now, yep. here's, the, here's the thing, Andy. This is what I'm wondering about. So Delenn seems pretty much bought in. What about the others? Because I felt like when I was watching this episode, I was not convinced. And I was sure that somebody else in that circle was going to say, whoa, wait a minute. What's the deal here? Where are you coming from? Why you got this weird alien with you? Why do you suddenly have this big plan? What is going? Are you leading us into a death trap? You know, who do you think you are? And so what are your any thoughts? Well, at first, Garibaldi did come right out and say some of that stuff yeah. in that final scene. Um, but Delenn's reactions weren't the only ones that were being highlighted by those spotlights during that, fi- that, that gathering scene there. There was a couple times when there was another Minbari that had yes. the spotlight on his face, and you could tell he was not nearly as, as gung-ho <laughs> about... Now, now, what what the reason behind that is? We, you know, we'll probably find out in the future. But he's not buying. I, I don't think Lanier is buying in one hundred percent that no. that Sheridan is, is back. No, he did seem very. He did seem very manipulative when when he was speaking to the crowd. I mean, he he seemed almost demagogish. You know, when when he was stirring that crowd up. Sheridan. Yes, yeah, Sheridan. Absolutely. Okay. I was like, wait a minute. When did Lanier speak to the crowd? No, yeah, not yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah, not Lanier, but All yeah. Right. Yes. No. Absolutely. He seemed. He seemed the same and yet more and different. And and somebody right. did point out, um, somebody pointed this out, I may have just not included it in my notes here, that him up there on that balcony or that thing, whatever, talking, remember the dream when he's up yep. on a railing looking yep. down at himself? Yep. And um, was right. that when he had the Psychor badge on? Yes. Oh, man. So what's that all about? Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. So keep an eye out for how people around Sheridan react to him coming back with all the answers, right? With all the answers in charge, bossing everybody around. I will say this, though. One of the reasons that I love John Sheridan, he's one of my top five favorite fictional characters. One of the reasons is when he comes out there on that platform and starts talking is that not as close as you basically get to Chris Evans' Captain America in his prime? <laughs> yes. Yep. I mean, John was- Sheridan is freaking Steve Rogers out there organizing the troops to go fight, yep. you know, Thanos or something. He's got both both um, Sheridan and uh, Bruce Boxleitner. They both have a charisma about them that makes you want to say, yeah, I'll fight yeah. for this guy. Oh, the freaking Drazi. One second the yeah. Drazi, you're like, Sheridan is dead. We must not do right. anything he wanted us to do. And then five minutes later, the Drazi are like, yes, <laughs> whatever you say, John, lead us on, man. I love he goes, the other guy, Captain, we we, we thought you were dead. <laughs> he just is like tripping over himself to, to backtrack there. It's so good. And then Sheridan, of course, says, I was, 
but I'm I better now or whatever. I got I just like he is a Marvel character at that point, right? He's come back right. from the dead. Oh, that was so good. That was so good. Yeah. Uh that is an unanswered question though, or maybe um again, I saw a couple of things that didn't include in my notes, but somebody said he's not the first character to come back from the first person to come back alive from Zahadoom. Right? I mean, Anna did, Morden does all the time. Yep. So maybe they mean like the first to come back alive and unaffected, unchanged, unswayed right. or something. And I will I, I would like to point out that this is up until now, Sheridan has always been the general, the the guy that was assigned to lead this station, but he was always a a, a, a military officer. Even after they split from yes. from uh, he was always a military guy just doing his duty. Whereas now he is yes. transitioning in this very scene to becoming a politician. So it'll be interesting yes. to see where that goes. A politician and a messiah and a superhero. Yep. Here's another thought I want to throw out for you and our listeners. Imagine that we didn't get any of the Lorian Zaha Doom scenes the last two episodes. Imagine we saw John jump off the balcony, jump, jump now, and then explosion, and this was the first time we saw Sheridan since then. Oh, yeah. Nobody would buy it. Oh, we would be like... No, he's, he's compromised. And I mean, imagine that we would be sitting there three episodes into season four wondering, is this show so off the hook that they've taken the main actor, the main <laughs> character, and turned him into the villain? Right. Right in the middle of the climax of the big story. That could I mean, have been really cool. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Are you? Can you imagine? Yeah. I mean, JMS has a lot of guts, but I don't think even he had the guts to do that. Right. And I, that, and that, I'm, I mean, I'm glad he didn't. Taken, yeah, that would have taken so much away from episodes to come. If you yeah. always had that in the back of your mind, like, is he or isn't he? I think that would have taken a lot away from those episodes. I guess if I were to do a story like this in some other context, and I've written a lot of stories kind of like this, um... I would have this happen. I would, I would have left out all the Lorian stuff, and John just comes back, and he does what he does at the end of this episode, and people are wondering, and have him start like, well, the shadows aren't so bad. We could work with them. You know, it's really the Vorlons that are the problem, and he wouldn't be wrong, right? Right. And, right. you know, here would, here would John be like, well, they'd be like, well, Captain, you're saying the shadows aren't so bad and we should be worried about the Vorlons, that's crazy talk. And then Susan's like, well, actually, yeah. Marcus and I, can you imagine? She that starts been, backing him up. John, um, uh, oh, my God. Imagine Sheridan's up there saying pro-shadow, anti-Vorlon stuff, and we, the viewers, are like, oh, my gosh, he's gone over. They got to him. Just like Anna, they got to him. But then Susan's like, no, he actually, he's right. The Vorlons are on the move. We do need to worry about the Vorlons. And everybody would be like, oh, my gosh. Uh, well, now what do I think about Sheridan, right? That and, would have been ballsy to do that. that oh, my have taken a lot of guts. Gosh. Well, and like I said, yeah, you could have strung that out. I, I, I think they, they took the – I think JMS took the logical road – the road he'd have to take for a TV show, but my goodness, what he could have done yep. if he'd been able to just push it a little further. Like what I was going to say right. is what I would do is I would go through several episodes of Sheridan being more and more pro shadows and then have a reveal that he's like a clone. And the original Sheridan is like wow. locked up on Zaha Doom in a 
in a jail cell, and that'd be a good cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, it would. And now I, you could get away with that with with today with the streaming because everybody yeah. is always looking for the twist in the streaming. Oh yeah. But back then, when this was still a, a, a network show and and still needed to have yeah. their you know their main the star and all that. I, I, right. Yeah, I don't think they would have they would have flown <laughs> that that would have flown with the, the. I mean, he was button heads with the producers almost every episode anyway. So. You know the show that from that been. from that era that would have done something like that with their lead character. A hundred percent, they would have done it. Farscape. What's that? Farscape. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Crichton. Yeah. Are you kidding me? They yep. would absolutely have done that with Crichton. Not even. That, no, that, that came a that came a few years later, right? Just a few. Farscape, yeah. Later in the nineties. Yeah, right. Oh, Crichton. Hundred percent. They'd have had Crichton cloned and the evil Crichton running around. There's no question yeah. about it. That show was off the cook. That okay. Was, that was such a great show. Let's get to the categories. That was fun. I really enjoyed that, Andy. I appreciate you indulging me. I hope the listeners enjoyed that, too. That was kind of a fun oh, little absolutely. alternate escapade. By the way, that reminds me, for people, I've mentioned this a couple of times before, but somebody on the Babylon 5 group on uh, Facebook asked about good Babylon 5 fan fiction. And I have no problem with fan fiction, right? I got my start writing in fan fiction. Fan fiction when done properly, right, respectful of the property and not trying to make money off of it just for fun, right, for entertainment, fan fiction is a great sandbox to learn some skills and get feedback. So I have no qualms with fan fiction. Um, and if somebody ever did fan fiction of my stuff, I would just feel flattered. I would be so right. flattered. Um, but um, uh, there's this amazing, humongous fan fiction story called The Dark Distorted Mirror, a British writer about... 15 years ago did it and it's like one and a half million words it's like the length of the entire harry potter series or something it's just insanely huge and um it's just google babylon 5 dark distorted mirror and set aside a few months if you're going to read it <laughs> but it includes it's like a it's like the star trek mirror universe but that's all right but it's babylon 5 and every character that ever appeared on the show or the books or whatever appears in it right Every character. It's, it, yeah. it's more of an alternate, t and, and I clicked through uh, on that, because you posted a link to that thread. Yes. And it seems more like an alternate timeline where there is one specific moment that sets this. Yes, that's it's, right. No, it's not exactly like the, the Dark Mirror Universe, which You're is right. like a, 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 a parallel dimension. This is an alternate timeline where there is one specific moment where... Mm this timeline diverted and it's, yes. it's an interesting concept it's they picked a, a, a kind of not necessarily an obscure moment but not a moment that is highlighted in the the tv series and they picked that as the the, the diversion point yeah and uh it, it's really cool how they do it i'm gonna say one thing about it real quick that i think was amazing they have a different minbari character who's kind of like a major character through a lot of it one that's barely mentioned on the TV show, but in this timeline, this character becomes very important, becomes like the main Membari other than Delenn. And here's what I love about it. At one point way into the story, and this is not a spoiler for the story at all, but at one point way in the story, they actually describe what that character looks like. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is Bruce Boxleitner playing a Membari. <laughs> I thought oh, that cool. was just brilliant. I loved it. I fell on the floor. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Bruce Bucks Line Barry. Okay. Uh, I forget how, but anyway. All right, let's get into it. So let's talk about the high point of this episode. What do you think? And there's a lot. Uh, there is a lot, but I have in all caps with exclamation points <laughs> Vorlon Fleet. Yeah. That <laughs> was just so. I mean, talk about just overwhelmingly awesome. It, it was like that, that scene from what was that obscure. 70s sci-fi movie, Star Wars. 
first scene when the, the 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 spaceship comes shooting over, and you're like, yes. "Well, that's a cool spaceship." And then this other spaceship the chasing it comes over and yes. over. I mean, it's, it's huge. So yes. it was like Iconic. that reveal to see the the Vorlon planet killer was just awesome. I mean, in every sense of the word, it was awesome. It was like, "Oh my goodness!" So yeah, oh, that that was the high point for me. That was super, and to see thousands of Vorlon ships because mm-hmm. we were even questioning earlier. You know how many ships do they really have? Well, they That's have right. a lot. They have a lot, and uh, it was it was really cool. I mean, just one Vorlon ship is cool, and then you see the Vorlon capital ship. It's like, oh man, we haven't seen that. We've seen it like once before. That's cool. And then you see the Planet Killer, which dwarfs the capital oh, ships. Yeah. Yes, and it's like holy crap. Andy, one of my favorite cards in the Babylon Five card game is the Vorlon Planet Killer card. It's extremely difficult to qualify in the game to get it out on the board. I bet. One time I played in a tournament in Atlanta, and I got the Vorlon Planet Killer out, and that's you know you have like two or three plant you know good players have like two or three planets out on each hand. There were like five yeah. players in my game, and each had like three or four planets, and my Vorlon Planet Killer, like Pac Man, just started going around the table, baby, <laughs> eating up their planets. It was just like waka 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 bloop bloop waka 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 bloop bloop, and I was just sitting there like yes, oh it was glorious. You win that that's game. Awesome. You win that game by getting like twenty influence, and after my Vorlon Planet Killer was done, I had like forty six influence. It was the greatest nice. thing ever. It was so good. Oh my god! That's anyway. awesome. Um, my high point of this episode was Sheridan coming back in, and 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 then in, eventually embracing Delenn. You know, and he's up there, like I said, like Captain America. That was just too yeah. good of a moment for me. That was like the emotional high point for me. So speaking of emotional points, what was your emotional low point of this episode? I, th- I have a suspicion I know what it is. My emotional low point was Jakar's torture. Yes. That was that, that was be. so hard to watch because, yes. I mean, you just – and for all the reasons why – you know, they explained why he was doing what he was doing. But yeah. just to see him treat – especially in the very beginning – when they had him in the court jester and they were oh. pouring the water on the ground and, awesome. and you awful, knew he awful. was just seething inside because his pride, it's just so difficult for him to let go of his pride. Yeah. And, um, th- yeah, it was, it was really rough to see. It was terrible. Yeah. The, the, oh, the jester thing with the spikes and all. And yep. by the way, that didn't seem like a good idea to me. Why would you take a dangerous, strong <laughs> enemy and put spikes pointing outward? Right put weapons on them <laughs> yeah wouldn't you either put rubber spikes or point the spikes the other way i was waiting for him to kill somebody with it i was waiting for him to headbutt somebody yep oh my gosh yeah that was really tough that would, and then that that would have been season one jakar yeah oh definitely he'd have, he'd have already killed londo by now season one jakar right. Londo already be dead right. um and I, I guess I agree with you, but I think I guess I'll add on that like when when Londo has to go to him and try to convince him to yep. scream, and he's just like, "You don't understand. I do understand. I do." And it's just like, "Yeah, you do, but you don't." You know what I mean? And it's right. like, "Oh, that was what, yeah, that was rough." What what Londo was saying there was everything that Londo did over the first two seasons. Yeah, he was slowly he gave in for the mm. good of his people. And so Londo's trying to not necessarily corrupt Jakar, but he's trying to get Jakar to, to do what he felt he had to do for his people. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, and it's interesting too, because we've seen Jakar slowly evolve from like space Hitler to space Gandhi, basically, right? And he just hadn't gone all the way yet. We thought he had. 
Right. But this is like breaking down the final barriers of him becoming Space Gandhi, basically. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Really, it was really. Real, again, another scene with these two that was brilliantly written and acted. As it was, always. It was. Yeah. It was just phenomenal. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, they're they're not my two favorite characters, obviously. But I don't. But I think that whenever you see this show mentioned now, years and years and years later, for all the things it accomplished, the one thing universally mentioned is the two of them. Right. Always. Yep. Always. Always. Right. Yeah. Um, most Babylon Five scene. I think we've used everything uh, up. Haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> no, the most Babylon Five scene is the one that that you mentioned for your high point was okay. when uh, when Sheridan came in and yeah. The Drazi says, I thought you were dead. And he goes, I was. I'm better now. I'm and then he goes now. on to, to And he is better now. Groups. Yes. Yeah. And that scene was so good, not just for the Captain America part, but also for the, the Lanier part. I thought that was brilliant how they they mm-hmm. they did the ultimate show don't tell. You know, they didn't yes. have Lanier with dialogue saying, Well, I don't trust him or anything like that. Right. They just showed very dramatically with the lighting and everything, yeah. but it worked so well with the, his the, expression the scene. Yes, yes. It's just kinda like when, when Del- when Del- and the way that they they framed it, you know, mm. they would show Delenn, and then Lanier's face would come in from the side. I mean, and then when she went up there, you know, she brushed right past him, and yeah. the look in his eyes that he gave her, and then gave, you know, oh man, that was that oh. was so well done. If you think Lanier was disrespected there, wait till we get to my funniest moment. I All got right. something for you there, baby. Oh, you just wait. <laughs> Don't tune right. out, folks, because my funniest moment is a direct <laughs> shot at Lanier. All right. Or on his behalf. My most Babylon 5 scene, we just flipped it around, was the massive Vorlon yeah. fleet. And then I also noted that when Sheridan comes out on the walkway and everybody is just kind of like, oh, crap, he's here. It's kind of like the, yeah. the teacher's going out to a meeting or something and the students are all throwing paper balls and spitballs and right. partying. And then, the, <laughs> yeah. and then like the principal walks in. Everybody's just kind of like, oh. Oh. It's like the the party just stops, you know, and that's kind of what that was. So yeah. that was really cool. And that was very well done too, with the the way that they did, because you didn't even see they never showed his face or anything like that. No, I mean, you know, they just showed everybody's reaction to him. And I thought that was really cool. And then all we get is Garibaldi going, "Well, I'll be damned." Yeah, which I thought and, was a, kind of a double meaning too, the way things are going right now. Yes, and the only the only thing that that I thought was disappointing with that whole build up and the whole scene was Lorian's ship. I mean, they, you know, they made it like, you know, it was some sort of big threat. They pulled out yes. all the guns and all that stuff. Yes. But the ship looked like a little fish. I mean, it, it looked like a fish. So, yes. It looked so silly and, and not yeah. at all threatening. If they had made it look a little bit more ambiguous or a little, a little bit more, not necessarily threatening, but a little more alien, I guess, yeah. it would have been a really, a, a much more effect. That part of the, the scene would be much more effective. The, well, the this is just another... It, Posed. It's just another case of foundation imaging or whatever their imaging is at this point. I forgot. They they had Ron Thornton for a while, and they brought it in-house and whatever. Right. Just letting us down, right? They just yep. occasionally they still do that. They <clears throat> they triumph with the Vorlon fleet, but they kind of let right. us down with the Lorian ship. I agree. It could have right. been done a lot better. Um, God, that reminded me of something, and it slipped my mind. It'll come back to me again. Um, there were several things in this episode that were really good. I, for some reason, I didn't I didn't type them in in my notes, so come back to it but um all right so your favorite character moment i had two for this one uh first was um jakar waiting until the 39th lash before he lets go with his scream 
Yes. I thought that was such a powerful moment because you could just – he waited. He knew he was going to scream the whole time, I think. He waited till the very last moment yeah. just as one final, you know, screw you mm-hmm. to, hit, to, to Cartesia. And then another really powerful character moment was uh, just what we talked about with Lanier. Just very, very small bits and pieces, but man, it just conveyed so much about his character. I thought that was really cool. So my understanding, and I may be wrong about this, is that the Romans believe, and this wasn't in the notes, but this is just, I teach religion and I teach history, and I've encountered this before. The Romans believed that whipping you 40 times would kill you. Right. So they would so they would give you the 40 lashes minus one. In other words, right. if we whip you 40 times, you're going to die. So we're just going to go right up to that limit. And multiple times, the Apostle Paul got the 40 lashes minus one. Just not all yep. back to back, right? You know what I mean? Or he would have died, right. theoretically. So that was the thing. Yeah, is that that was their way of saying, we're not killing you, but we're doing everything but... Um, it's funny too because in a way I was wanting them to slow down because it was like he was counting and whipping faster than it seemed like the guy could actually be swinging the whip. But in another way, I was wanting to get over with as fast as possible. Like, oh, we got to go, right. we got to do this forty times or thirty nine times. Oh my gosh, you know. So it was, it was like on the one hand, it's too fast, and on the other hand, it's too slow. <laughs> right. I wasn't sure That's which not- way I felt. I thought that was a very effective scene. I, yeah. Because with each lash, the 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 sound the whip was making would amp up a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And yeah, yeah, and it w- it was really well done. And he had to do full body makeup for that because they they you know ripped off a shirt and they exposed his upper torso. So yeah. you know, Andreas was wearing a lot of makeup in that scene. Wasn't the first time though. We we saw him in like a bathrobe and stuff in the past. Right, right. That was a classic scene. Uh, uh, Jakar has come a long way from his. Uh, high-level summit meetings with hot human women <laughs> in his quarters, but he used to talk politics with them, quote unquote. Right, right. Uh, yeah, what a what a voyage he's made. Um, my favorite character moment, although I gotta say, there were several. I really did. I really did like Susan and Marcus in this episode. They've gotten I several. I was like getting confused because this reminded me a lot of when they went out looking for the first ones the first time. Right. It's almost like that all over again. I was waiting for the for the ancient Vorlon god Boji and the putting the putting the bucket <laughs> on his head. But that was not this scene. This is a different one, right? Right. But, uh, right. And you can see throughout that whole scene uh Ivanova's walls coming down a little bit. Yeah. You know, there was cracks in her defenses. She she, she I, cracked a smile a couple times and so it was it was int- an interesting progression of their relationship. I kept waiting for her to whip out the because it seemed like they'd regressed in a way. Remember, he had kind of made some inroads with her with his Ottoman Empire flowchart and all that. I thought right, he'd make, right. and she's back to hating him again. I was waiting for her to say, "I just don't know how you fit in around here," you know. And he had to go. Well, well I, think- I left my orth, I left my, <laughs> I left my Ottoman Empire chart back on the station, Susan. <laughs> what do you want? You know, come on. I think at this point she didn't want him to come along because she didn't want him. Not because she hated him, but because she felt herself uh, having feelings for him and wanted mm. to keep him away so she wouldn't fall mm. for him. Interesting. That's, I how don't... I, that's, how, that's how I took it. Okay. I didn't, but I'm certainly willing to entertain that possibility. All right. I'm, to this day, even after what we know all the way through the end and beyond, I'm still not sure I really know Susan's heart with regard to Marcus. 
Right. Still to this day, it's, I'm not sure it, I know. It's, it's hard to read her. I mean, and that's just the way she's written. I mean, she's intentionally hard to read. Well, because there's a scene much later on in the show, which I will not spoil, where she does say to somebody else something, a few things about him. And after that scene, I'm still not sure how she felt. Because she <laughs> says some things, but she says things that are more short-term and pragmatic as opposed to... Right. You know, I would have liked to marry him, settle down with him, and have a cabin somewhere in the woods. That's not the impression I got off from right. ever, ever. We, we, we will revisit this discussion. We will. We will definitely. Um, my, I said that one. I thought that they had some good moments. that I didn't want to get lost in this bigger episode of other stuff. Right. I, I do want to give a shout-out to the dude, to Wortham Krimmer, playing Cartagia. Because just because he's playing an awful, 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 quote-unquote, person, a Centauri... He's doing a great job with it. He is. He is. He's not over the top or anything like that. No. He's given just enough crazy, yeah. not so much in in you know like like the overacting like yeah. so many people do crazy. You know yeah. they just act crazy. Right. He's just crazy in just his what he does. I mean, yeah. just in in his his lack of of empathy and emotion and stuff like that. So it's 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 very understated and very the, the his performance is understated and and I think well done. You make a good point there because we've we've repeatedly criticized the quality of the villains on this series, right? And he could well, have been think, another one of those. Yeah, they they, they he's a step up from the uh, the down below <laughs> villains because he's oh he's, God, he's an important character. I mean, he's he drives yeah. a lot of the plot in in season end of season three and into season four. So he does. I, I think that I think they went for a, a higher quality actor than what they normally get for the the just, thugs. <laughs> just think if it was Richard Mall or something. <laughs> Right, right. Or uh, oh what's his name? What is his name? The the guy from the A team that they had in an earlier. Episode. Oh, Murdoch. Um, yeah, if they yeah, that, if that they guy. had that actor, oh boy, oh, good that would have been yeah. cringeworthy. Yeah. No, I give him credit. I've got a little bit more about him coming up in the uh, listener questions as well. Um, yeah, I I, I got to toss this out there. Not really Babylon Five related, but you brought up Richard Mall. There is supposedly a scene from one of the Fantastic Four the. Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer, that had Richard Mall as Galactus in his full Galactus getup, but they they thought that the performance was so ridiculous that they just went with the what the what they had. And I'm like, yeah, I can I can see that. Yeah, I honestly I was really disappointed by that movie that we didn't get big purple and pink Galactus. Right. But if it was Richard Mall in a suit, right. then no, I. <laughs> I think it worked probably, out about as well as it probably could have probably worked. made the best decision. <laughs> that movie was so bad. Oh, it was just so yeah. poorly conceived. Yeah. Um, it was like an hour and ten minutes long because it didn't have a twist. Right. It it, it, it had no twist. It's like the you know Silver Surfer just goes and beats him, and that's the end. I'm like, that's it. Yeah. Where's yeah. the where's the where's Act Three? It's like a two act story. Right. right. Exactly. Oh my gosh! It's like if Sheridan went to Zahadoom shot all the shadows and then came back and they're like, all right, we're ready for season four. He's like, no, I already killed them all. We're good. We're good. <laughs> end of the, end of the roll credits, baby. Drive safely, right. everybody. I and mean, they, they would have all died. They would have all died off screen anyway. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, right. I, I mentioned Susan. I, I mentioned when Veer is like, we can reason with Cartagia. We can reason with him. And then he's like, yeah, let's just yep. kill him. <laughs> I liked his, he just took one. It just took one scene. Yeah. And Veer, Veer of all people, is like, nah, right. screw it. We just need to kill him. <laughs> there, there's no hope there. No. Let's <laughs> just kill and, him. 
And thus begins Veer's dark arc. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then finally, I did want to mention Sheridan again as like Captain America beating out. And and yeah, I I just that to me just kind of made the episode was that last big scene. Um, All right. I'm looking forward to funniest moment. What do you got? I have, let me see, funniest moment when Ivanova was practicing or demonstrating her her uh, her mastery of the Minbari language at the very beginning. <laughs> that was, all right, you got me there. That was, That's it. I thought that was funny. That was the funniest moment. There were not a lot of funny yeah. moments in this episode. Right, right. There were not a lot of funny. I will note that both my funniest moment and my low point came before the, the, the beginning credits. Wow, that's true. Yeah. Hat rat rat catcher. That's what yeah. that's what Susan <laughs> Susan said. Hat rat, yeah. rat catcher. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, the whole thing with the lingerie and all that stuff. That yeah, was, that was a funny scene. Um, okay, that was the funniest moment. I you you win, but <laughs> I had a bit of un well. Was it though? After what we were just saying a minute ago, I'm going to reevaluate this. I had unintentional comedy where Delin says, "Everyone I hold dear is gone." And Lanier's like, ahem, ahem, hello, hello, is this thing on? Is this thing on? Hello? And then when you said Delenn, like, rushes right past him to go up to Sheridan, I'm just like, maybe that wasn't unintentional. Ooh. No, I think that was very intentional. Ooh. Yeah. That was very, harsh. Very, yeah, very subtle. And if you're – if knowing what we know now, we can pick up on that. But imagine what we thought when we first watched this. I, I – I don't even remember when it was that I finally... We can talk about this in the spoiler space. <laughs> wow. I just... I was like, man, dang. Yeah. Dang, Delenn. Yeah, that was that was kind of cold. Everyone I hold yeah, here is I was, gone. I was watching for all of that now. And it's it's interesting. Yeah. The little subtle things that they put in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, who won the episode? This is a tough one for me. I said Delenn and Sheridan won because Sheridan reunited the the League of Non-Aligned Worlds and Delenn got her. It feels so good. <laughs> Delenn got her uh, her uh, her bow back. So yeah, I, yeah. I thought they were the two the two clear winners. I thought a clear winner was Londo because he got everything he needed by the end of the episode. Yeah, that's he a did, good one. I didn't he even and Veard, think about that. He and Veer didn't die. They kept Jakar alive. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Kept Jakar alive a little bit longer too, and and the and their plan, their conspiracy is still yeah going on. Man, to think the galaxy might, de- or at least Centauri Prime, depends on Londo and Veer doing something effectively <laughs> is like, oh my lord in heaven! Good luck with that. Oh, those good. two are your greatest. Those, if those two are your last great last best hope, then oh great. my! All right, uh, who lost? Oh, this was another hard one. Uh, I thought that was pretty easy. Uh, okay. The residents of Ar- Arcadis Seven lost. This oh one. God! Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, all several million of them did. Yes. I let me just say, <laughs> I'm sitting here not considering an entire planet blown up to be <laughs> losers. So I like to rethink my life choices now, Andy. <laughs> um, wow. Okay. Again. You win. This is happening a lot on this episode. You keep winning and I keep losing, but that's all right. It's not a competition. It's not a competition, man. Oh, my gosh. This is a good thing. Uh, It's a good thing for me. I want to hear what your original response would have been. All right. Well, my number one who lost the episode is Cartagia. He just doesn't know it yet. 
Yeah, that's because he didn't kill Jakar and he didn't kill Londo yeah. or Veer. Uh, yeah, Garibaldi lost because who knows what's going on with that, but it doesn't seem good. Okay. Yep. The Shadows lost because yeah. Sheridan's back and he's got a plan. Yeah. And the Vorlons lost because now their thing is out exposed to everybody. Yeah. So I thought I, there were I, a, a lot of losers. I don't think that they care at this point that no. they've been exposed. They're like, no. yeah, whatever. You're you're a they, worm. But I, I, you could almost well, say that Jakar lost because he finally, yeah. you know, he was. I don't know if he was broken or if he is playing the part of being broken. He he lost for himself, but he won right. for his people, and that's what exactly. can, matters to him. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The Vorlons are interesting because as as was it what Olkesh said to Lita, she said something like. See, he fooled me because she said something like, haven't I earned respect or something, right? Yeah, yeah. And I would have put $100 American cash money down that he would say respect. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. He was going to say, respect is irrelevant. That's what I thought he was going to say. Yeah. But instead, he said, respect for whom? Right, or something like that. Respect from who, right? Like from, yeah. you really, you really expect us to respect you. You're, you're like a, a tool. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're a ham. You're, a, you're a pair of pliers, lady. Exactly, exactly. Why you can't even have yeah. furniture. <laughs> exact man, that was harsh. You get, you get a mattress only because of no. your frail human body. <laughs> no chest of drawers for you. Good day, <laughs> good day, ma'am. <laughs> I said good day. <laughs> no footstool for you. Good day, ma'am. <laughs> No headboard for you, good day. <laughs> oh, Unbelievable. I mean, I guess Lita was kind of a loser, too, although by the end she was... I think by the end she she's coming around the idea that maybe she'd be better off with the Army of Light than with the Army yeah. of Vorlons. And although... They're going to embrace her with open arms, right? Oh, man. Ah, spoiler space. I, hold on. <laughs> God, because that one, that one is that hits close to home with me. I gotta, I gotta put in. Oh, uh, I'm just gonna. Okay, I'm just gonna put Lita down the spoiler section. I have something to say there. Um, all right, yeah. So I, all right. Well, that was interesting. All right, we're to the rating on a scale right. of zero to five, and we can do halves, halvesies. Yeah. How did you rate this one? Four stars. Ding, 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 ding. Four stars. Yep. We are in agreement. We are in accord. Not quite as good as last episode. Yep. But almost. Right. I agree. I don't... And I, I hesitated giving it a four stars because it didn't feel as complete, but I'm no. like, well, that's not fair. Yeah. It, it's worth four stars. And I, I'm just... I'm going to be giving a lot of four stars for the next several episodes yeah. that we record because yeah. I, I, I just have to accept that. There's going to be a lot of really good shit coming... A, really, a lot of really good episodes coming up. I mean, so... Yeah. No, I agree with you 100% because I, I, four seems right... Because this is yeah. just stellar, awesome material, but it's also yeah. just like a piece of the puzzle. There's no real beginning exactly. or end. It's just a piece. Exactly. So it's on a holding pattern of excellence. It's yep. not supreme excellence. It's not severed dreams or whatever, but right. it's not down in the threes either. So four is where it's going to end up. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. I think, be 100%. I think that's fair. All right. We got to thank our patrons really quickly. Go to www.b5review.com. Click on the button, become a patron. Here are the fine folks who c 
currently are doing that. Christopher Anastasia, Allison Rich, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Benzane. I am missing my category, mister. <laughs> Emma Jane Alexander, Leah G, Rich Hammett, Debbie Norris, Dragon Condolin, Emmanuel Seaman, Jal Ja, Lady Sif, Mondo Six, Michael O'Connor, Steve Palmer, Andy secretly rates war without end of five. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Stu Parker, the geek boy. Oh, I've got a request here. Play Project <laughs> Plus. Nice. Very good. Heather and Yancey Steingraver. I scream clone with a Boba Fett head. And Michael Halbrook. Thank you all so, though, very, very much. We really, really appreciate you. And now I think we're going to. Oh, we got a few Patreon before, comments. Yeah. Good. Yes. Yeah. Before before we go, I would like to to, to uh, offer a, a procedural um, thing here. Yes. I think we should rename in case it ever comes up again. I'm not sure if it ever will, but if we ever have a a nomination for the Ari Benzane Award, we change the name to the Colonel Dad Award. <laughs> I like it. Remind me of that if it ever. It may not ever come up again, but yeah, I like it. Certainly won't come up until probably the middle of season four. It'd be the only time it would ever have a chance. But yeah, I like it. All right, we do have a few patron comments. Colonel Dad, aka Ari Benzane, says uh, the reboot theme song should be "When There's Something Strange in Your Neighborhood." Who are you going to call, John Sheridan? I think that's probably fair. <laughs> Uh, and whatever happened to Ari Benzane would be the shortest episode ever, he says. I agree. <laughs> and nobody would care either. And he finally, he says, a deleted scene from a Larry Dottilio episode, Marcus and Kosh at a bar in the down below. The bartender says, what do you have, Mac? And Kosh says, Jovian sunspot. <laughs> yes, he gets it. Good old Colonel Dad, he gets it. He gets it. And uh, then he's one, um, he's one of our people. Yes, he is. Allison Rich, the great Allison, who always has some good comments, says, uh, and this is interesting. Lorian and Sebastian slash Jack ask the same questions. It's just that Lorian is more gentle in his interrogation style, but it's just as uncomfortably probing. And I'm like, wow, not only that, it's the same actor. Yeah. Yes. How about that? Crazy. Kinda... Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, she says, I wish that Jakar and Marcus had more f- scenes together because they played really well off one another. Pykel Envy was funny. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, she noted interplanetary expeditions, IPX, always seem to have their fingers in some shady, sh- shady stuff. They found that piece of Garibaldi's Star Fury. Hmm. And I, that's one of the things I loved about Crusade is that Crusade seemed like IPX was going to be a major part of it. And it was what we got, which we'll be talking about right. down the road. So, yeah, I, I think IPX, Interplanetary Expeditions, was a fountain of potential stories that we just never got beyond what we did yep. get. Uh, she said, this is the second time Delenn has acted emotionally in revenge for a death. Ducat's death sparked the earth Minbari War, and now she wants the Rangers to attack Zyatum. <laughs> this is true. Don't make this lady mad. Uh, Sheridan <laughs> never acts emotionally in his attacks. That's the difference between them. They complement each other that way. They need each other's skills. I wouldn't have said that, but I'm not going to argue with Allison saying that. I think it's a very good right. point. Right. No, she, that, that's very insightful. Uh, and she says, Lorian won this episode to me. His long wait for an appropriate champion is over. Sebastian Jack also found an appropriate champion. So, yeah, interesting. Um, well, I have so, just throwing this out there. Yeah. What if Sebastian slash Jack was Lorian <laughs> infiltrating the Vorlons oh. to go find his champion? Oh, oh, I like it. 
And and Kosh I mean, would have been in on it because he was good Kosh. Right, right. And it's the same actor, so come on. And Kosh, he knew Kosh, right? So, oh, I love it. Uh, I'm telling you that's what. Be, that's headcanon. I think on. we've thrown out some interesting stuff for our listeners to chew on. I certainly have enjoyed this stuff. All right, I got a couple yeah. more here. Well, I got one more thing from Allison, and I have a follow-up. She says, I looked up Wortham Krimmer on IMDb. He's actually Robert Krimmer. IMDb says both he and his wife changed their last name after they got married. That doesn't seem right because he didn't change his last name. She was Mary Ellen Wortham. He was Robert Krimmer. Uh. Now they're Robert and Mary Ellen Wortham Krimmer. He was a soap opera actor and TV actor. He has no acting credits after 2010. So I appreciate Allison doing that. I went and looked him up myself, and I'm going to add the following. He is um, known professionally as Wortham Krimmer. He reverted to his birth name of Robert Krimmer after he divorced the first wife and remarried in 2009. So that would explain why he's not Wortham Krimmer anymore. He's no longer married to Ms. Wortham. So he's back to Robert Krimmer. Um, he is 69 years old now, believe it or not, which makes me feel so wow. old to think that he's 69. No kidding, man. L- lives in Chicago. I met him at you know where, and I have yeah. his signature on a card, but he was like, he must have been f- like in his mid-40s then when I met him, right? That was, um, that was about 22 years ago that I met him at Dragon Con. So, um, uh, he lives in Chicago. He is... He, all right, said he pursued an acting career for 27 years, and then he returned to law school where he had dropped out to go into acting, attended classes at Santa Barbara and Ventura Colleges of Law on a part-time basis while working as a paralegal. He graduated valedictorian of his class, passed the California bar exam on his first try, and then following law school began to work as an attorney. Wow. So he is now Robert Krimmer, the attorney, not Wortham Krimmer, the actor anymore. That would make him Robert Krimmer Esquire, right? Yeah. How about that? Interesting. That's interesting. Uh, and I said he was part of the big Babylon 5 actor group that came to Dragon Con around 2000, 2001. And uh, it was very fun to meet him. Um, neat dude. All right. So before we go into spoiler space, I'll just mention for, our, for everybody still listening... Uh, 404 will be our next episode falling towards apotheosis. I had to go look up what that meant back in 19 in 1996. <laughs> it means becoming a God, which is what Cartagia thinks he's doing. Right. Yeah. And, and it could have, you know, could be referring to other people. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. That's true. But I like that. It's falling towards like it's, you're right. going down to go up kind of a thing, which is, I think is cool. right. All right, last little bit. I don't have a whole lot here, so this show isn't going to go on much longer unless Andy's going to pull out like 20 pages of notes like I used to do sometimes. So <laughs> let me hit the button. Jump gate activated. All right, we are now into spoiler space. So if you don't want any spoilers from beyond this episode, bail out now. Come check us later when you've seen later episodes. So what are your spoiler things? I am curious to know when... When you watch this the, the the first time around, yeah. when did you turn on Lanier? When did you <sighs> figure out Lanier was was not did not have Sheridan's best interests necessarily at heart? I think I always felt that he didn't like Sheridan, but I always took it as a low level jealousy. Right. So when he finally actually does something. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Same. 
Which Isn't I think it interesting? Bill Mummy was Knowing too, I think. Know, right. Isn't it interesting now that we know what happens that we can pick up on the little seeds that JMS was planting going even back to, to season three? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you go back to season one, when, when Lanier first comes on the show, he won't even look her in the face. He looks at the ground. Right. And she has right. to tell him, you know, look up. I can't have you running into stuff all the time. Right. And he goes from can't even look her in the face to I should be your boyfriend and not that human guy that I tried to yep. kill. But when they – I had completely forgotten about that that scene when they showed Lanier's face. I was yeah. like, oh, my God. Oh, his expression. Right. That's downright evil. I mean, just the look he was giving him. I mean, but – <laughs> I I can see that now, you know, with hindsight, that that's what was going on. I didn't even remember reacting to that the first time I was watching this. I This is what I, I'm going to do this. This is what I got out of Lanier there. Lanier's like, well, Johnny's gone. No more smiling Johnny. Wait, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Sheridan, Sheridan's back? What the hell is the world coming to? <laughs> that was Lanier right there. That was Lanier right there. So Right. All yeah, right. He was not a happy camper. So we'll keep an eye on Lanier going forward. No. Um, no. The other, you know, the other thing Lanier said when he first found out Sheridan was back. You can't What's be that? serious, man. You cannot be serious. That was what he first said, and then he said the other thing. So I'm getting to use the soundboard a little bit. All right. Um, um, my only thing is Lita, because we touched on this very briefly. That Lita is sitting there thinking, all right. Do I, do I cooperate with the Vorlons who clearly have lost their freaking collective minds? And they may have a collective mind for all I know. Or do I go over to Sheridan and his crowd that are going to need me because I have certain abilities and talents and things like, uh, like it's taken and he's Liam Neeson. She's Liam Neeson. Um, yeah, Lita's like, I have a certain set of skills. <laughs> and... Um, so we're we're over here rooting, right? Go go, you know, get with Sheridan and the Lynn, Lita. You can help out, yep. help out, help help the good guys win. And now we look at like what happens in season five, and I'm just kind of like, oh, uh, yeah. Oh. I mean, we're going to talk about this obviously when we get there. But how do you have one of the most powerful people in the galaxy on your station and not roll out the red carpet, give her the freaking honeymoon suite? Right. How do you not bend over backwards to make her feel like an integral part of that? I couldn't believe in season five that they did her the way they did. It wasn't just that I felt bad for Lita. It was just poor management of your resources. Right. Now, I'm curious. Do you think that's because, I mean, do you think that was the original plan for the original five-season arc, or do you think that was because JMS had to generate some conflict in season five because he had nothing else to do? Well, the one thing we do know is it was supposed to be Susan. Right. So I don't know what the story would have been with Lita. Lita might not have even been in season five. Right. But going into season four, you know, before he knew that season four was supposedly going to be the last season, he had to cream everything in. Yeah. Do you think that... Even that late in the game, do you think Lita's arc would have been the same in season five? You know, it's so hard to say, and it wasn't even supposed to be Lita. <laughs> it was supposed to be Talia. Right. It's right. all so jumbled up. It's just it's like pulling right. the threads of the Gordian knot. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. I do like. I mean, I thought it 
made for a good story that they were so poor at managing her that they basically drove her in the hands of somebody else. Right, but, exactly. But it's like it's like if your football team, your college football team gets Cam Newton and you're like, "Ah, go sleep on a cot somewhere. We don't we don't need you." Right. Are you kidding? Right. right. Are you insane? Yep. That just I mean, he he had to come up with a lot of drama for without a lot of content. I mean, yes. <laughs> season five was like yes. you said, bereft. I mean, he, oh, he yeah. probably looked when when they got renewed for season five. He probably sat there and said, "Oh, great, now what?" <laughs> well, I mean, you you do what you do with Marcus to have Susan back, and then you lose Susan. Yep. Right. You don't have yep. either one of them. Oh, I remember. Oh man, I remember when that happened. I was so upset reading about it on AOL chats and all that yeah, stuff. I mean, like. It, it, yeah. If if I'm JMS at that point, I'm calling up Marcus and I'm like, "Look, come back. Well, you got better. If Sheridan got better, why can't Marcus get better?" Right. Exactly. And I mean, I mean, I know it violated what he was going to do later on, but you know, at the very end. But you had all of season five to play around with Marcus and then put him back in a coma. Right. Maybe you give him and, a temporary help like you do Sheridan. You know, that lasts for right. like a certain amount of time and then it runs out. And you know. Uh, the the produ- the TNT producers did to uh, Claudia Christian what the Babylon Five crew did to Lita, just totally disrespected her. Yeah, yeah, I mean, oh, absolutely. It, uh, the whole contract issue with her was was just horrible. What they what they try to do. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it. I, yeah, it was. Sad. And and very, we very firmly sad. established how important she was to the show. You you exactly. To she keep was her, yeah. yeah. She was the moral the moral center, and and it showed in season five. I mean it it. Yes. it her her lack of of I mean the lack of Susan is one of the things that really no Susan hurt. no Kosh no Morden yep. no yep. Marcus yep I mean yeah you had Byron <laughs> <laughs> on that note I'm I'm not saying I'm reserving all comments for that until the appropriate time even for the spoiler space we'll see we'll see all right let's wrap up here I know you got other fish to fry it's middle of the night for you over there in the eastern block where you live so yeah I, we'll get on out of here I've had a good time tonight Andy though I appreciate your time I'm sure the I'm sure our listeners because our our listeners all love you way more than they love me we know this right that's not true. <laughs> it's so true it is so true and I'm fine with that because I I frankly enjoy you much more than me. Um, but, uh, so I agree with them. I'm in the majority, not the minority, but in any I case, love these, these conversations. These I have fun, such man. a good time. I have such a good time talking to you. I think that's why our listeners enjoy the show is that we have a good time and we want them to have a good time and hopefully we've given right, them Absolutely. All right. Well, that was 403. The, we haven't decided why it's called the summoning or who was being summoned or why, but it was the summoning. <laughs> and so something next, was summoned. Something somewhere was summoned. And so uh, next time we will you join us for falling towards apotheosis, and we will see exactly who is falling and exactly what apotheosis means. That'll be fun. So, any final thoughts before we let you go, sir? No, sir. I think I think we covered everything very thoroughly. I think we did. I had a good time, and I will. We will see you guys uh, down the road with uh, 404. Thanks a bunch, Andy. All right. Thank you, sir. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment Production.